Well, I've got bad news for you. I know, it is a time of great joy because it is Christmas and glad tidings. But um, my usual sunny disposition is going to be shelved for just a moment to tell you that America will fail. But the people are retarded. I don't say this simply because I have some insider knowledge about the future. The big guy upstairs has not relayed some prophetic word. I just know because all empires do. And every empire before America did. It's not a question of if, it's only a question of when. I say this to remind you that pulling at the strings that hold this experiment together will unravel it. That's why it must be defended. A quick glance at history will show you how bread and circuses destroyed the once great Roman Empire, how devaluing their currency brought about destruction. Maybe you sense a similarity. Bidenomics is working. How in the nearer past, atheistic communism destroyed Russia, causing Alexander Solzhenitsyn to declare, the biggest issue with Russia is we have forgotten God. You'll notice every one of those things are internal rather than external. Sure, empires of the past fell because of external forces very often, but almost always the biggest threat lies within. Even with Israel's invasion on October 7th, we just found out that Israel knew about the invasion about a year before it happened, but they just simply discounted it because of pride. They didn't think Hamas could pull it off, so they shelved the intelligence and ignored it. Now, some have suggested, based upon this information, that Israel knew about the attack and didn't do anything because they wanted the attack, or even that they were behind the, the attack somehow because they wanted an excuse to go kill people in Palestine. Not only is this a bigoted lie fueled by people prone to conspiracy theories, but it also misses the obvious. We very often are our own worst enemy because we often do not take threats seriously well until it's too late. This is where Christians are the worst. Rather than fighting the real enemy, they don't take what's really going on seriously in the culture and they prefer rather to fight among themselves accusing religion of being the biggest enemy, or even their own fellow evangelicals of being the real problem, rather than the fact that we have a radical contingent of Marxists who believe what Marx taught, especially when he taught things like the destruction of Christianity. He said this, to destroy Christianity, we must destroy the British Empire. I mean, he's saying the quiet part out loud. He doesn't really care about the British Empire as much as just killing Christianity. He was not only showing the extent of his hate for society, he was showing how much he hated Christians. Why did he deem it as such a threat? Well, because Christianity holds a society together and it holds ours together. So what if I told you that atheist, you're playing right into the hands of your own destruction? What if I told you as Christianity goes, so goes the West? What if I told you that your church hurt is no excuse to label a whole religion? What if I told you, you need Jesus? All these are true, but honestly, I threw the last one in there just to get a reaction in the comment section. And I know what you're thinking. You probably got that covered, man. Everything that came before that will get a reaction. But in all sincerity, I care about you. I care about this nation. If you do too, it is time to wake up. Especially if you're a Christian, we cannot afford to push off cultural battles of the present onto the next generation and not take threats seriously like Israel did. It's time to stand up and fight back using your mind and your words, using social media and every ounce of influence you have before it's too late. And you have to use force to protect yourself and your family. It happened before and it can happen again. And today I'll show you just 
how some things are happening in society today that should make you wake up. We'll talk about that in more today on Indie Thinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Now, it's the holiday season, and it's a perfect time to buy a gift. And there is no better way to buy a gift than by buying online. That's why I want to encourage you to check out our online Herbal Alchemy store. By buying great, all-natural health and beauty products from our Herbal Alchemy store, you will not only kick woke out of your bathroom and out of your kitchen, but you'll save yourself a whole lot of time, and perhaps even your eternal soul, because you won't have to go to Target to get any of your health and beauty products, you can go right to the comfort of your living room and to our Herbal Alchemy store to get the best products. And the most important thing to know is that when you purchase from our Herbal Alchemy store, some of the proceeds will go directly back to Indie Thinker to help us create great content like what you're seeing today. So take a moment, go to the description of this podcast or go to the link on the screen and you can check out our Herbal Alchemy store where you can find the best all natural health and beauty products. There's an old saying, don't cut off your nose to spite your face, but apparently the modern left has heard nothing like it because they love doing it. The same people who throw around the terms neurodivergent, non-binary, queer-affirming, and gender-affirming care, these same people are very, very interested in making sure that you do not get Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off at work. And if they get their way, everybody will be more miserable because of more days at work and less time with their family. Now, obviously, I'm not sure these people have done anything to actually keep family in their lives rather than to just push people away because they're so miserable, but let's just say that the end result of a federal commission in Canada would be that Christmas is no longer celebrated because it is neo-colonial and must be done away with. That's right, Canada is in the process of canceling Christmas. So according to a federal commission, they declared Christmas holiday is religious intolerance. The Canadian Human Rights Commission, which wields broad quasi-judicial powers, argued that a day off on Christmas is discriminatory. Now I know you may be having a moment of deep soul searching and you may be asking to yourself, what in the hell is wrong with these people? But let me give you an idea of exactly what is wrong with them. And if you already know before I say it that it has something to do with the fact that these people are blinded by hate, well, you would be correct. But let's see in what way. The report will go on and it will say an obvious example of the kind of Christmas hate and Christmas bigotry and intolerance that comes every time uh, this year, uh, can be found in this way. An obvious example is statutory holidays in Canada. The report adds, noting that the Christian holidays of Christmas and Easter get days off, while non-Christians have to request special accommodations to observe their holy days. Now again, one of the real problems with this is that at the end of the day, all you're going to do is get less days off. And let's be really brutally honest here and just realize that The exact opposite is really true here, that leftists have been trying to force their holidays upon society, and the reason you guys aren't getting much traction is because all of your holidays have to do with like sexual deviancy. And if you really want to try to get days off and you wanna start pushing those into federal holidays, you might have to create holidays that don't 
have to do with sticking your private parts in, in places. Now on the screen right now, you can see an example of all of the holidays here we have in America, or supposed holidays, which by the way, means holy day. And the, I, I maintain the term holiday here because these are holy days to the left. All of these holidays that you see on the screen right now are holidays dedicated to sex and who you have sex with. So again, I argue that the reason you don't get leftist holidays like we get holidays is because clearly we have better holidays than you. So quit being a party pooper and just go to the Christmas party. Um, you know, Ultimately, the vast majority of people who celebrate Christmas at these Christmas parties anyway probably are just going to go to get drunk, and so it won't be a really a real celebration of Christ because the culture has done everything they can to secularize Christmas. So please, quit being a party pooper and uh, put your big boy pants on and just go to the party because nobody's shoving Jesus down your throat. You're not oppressed. The paper will go on to totally ignore the fact that Canada is pretty pluralistic, and rather it focuses primarily on one glaring exception to Canada's record on religious tolerance. The decades-long state push to eradicate traditional indigenous spirituality in favor of Christianity, mostly through the Indian residential school system. The Canadian Human Rights Commission cites this not as an anomaly, but as emblematic of Canada's identity as a, quote, settler colonial state. So essentially the argument is that through uh, Indian residential school systems, because they celebrate Christmas, they've tried to get rid of indigenous Indian practices. Um, so I, I want to get to that claim in just a moment, but, but I want to get the, to the latter claim about Canada being a settler colonial state. Um, I find this hilarious because what's interesting is that they can declare Christmas a settler colonial holiday and that all Christians are settler colonialists and then have a problem with stereotypes. I mean, even in the letter, if you read it, and I can link it down for you guys in the description of the podcast, you'll see that they give examples of the way in which uh, society kind of ostracizes uh, other people who are not Christians by like saying stereotypical things like, hey, you Jews are good with money or something like that. Or, hey, if you're Jewish, I'm going to hire you as an accountant in my business because obviously you Jews know how to deal with the gold. So ultimately, those are all stereotypes that should never be used. But of course, if you make a stereotype about a Christian as being all colonial settlers and being oppressors, well, then of course, you can make that one because, I don't know if you know this by now, uh, neo-colonialism, settler, colonial state, all of that is code for I hate Christians and I want everybody else to hate it too because I love temper tantrums because I'm immature. Now, let's go back to the idea beyond the audaciousness to be totally stereotypical and then to blame other people for using stereotypes. Um, let's, I guess we should say one more thing about that, that some stereotypes are useful because they're true. And if they are, then, hey. Um, but more importantly, let's go back to the idea that because the school system in Canada allows breaks for Christmas, that somehow they are being intolerant and rude and mean to other um, Indian residential schools in the system and that it favors Christianity more so than uh, religious kind of indigenous practice, religious indigenous practice. So the only thing I can tell you about that is, yes, indeed, that is true. That is happening. And it is good. 
Because part of what you should understand as a progressive, if you consider yourself one, or if you just simply believe that we can get better over time and get a greater understanding of things over time, one of the things that you should know is that better ideas should supplant worse ideas. And this is the way of history. Not always, but when the world is working as it should, we should be in a position to supplant bad ideas with better ideas. So some of those indigenous practices, by the way, that she won't tell you about include human sacrifice, you know, the, the, the virgin having their heart ripped out of their chest so that we can make sure we get rain in the next coming year. Now, I'm assuming this leftist lunatic writing this article doesn't really want those kind of practices mentioned or hopefully repeated. You never know because cutting on your body is kind of the thing for the left these days. But, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt and let's say they don't really want indigenous practices brought back as a celebration um, in the West. Uh, let's just stick to the idea that Christianity has been a major benefit for the West. And it is one of the reasons why civilization has reached its peak in the present, because Christianity has helped civilize the West. And it is a good thing to celebrate the things that come along with Christianity. So all I can tell you is, friend, your bigotry is showing. And if you really want what's best for people, maybe we should just discuss what is the best ideas rather than discuss equality. If all ideas were equal, fine, celebrate them all equally. Rather, let's take the time to actually think about these things and realize what deserves to be celebrated because it is a better thing to be celebrated. Until the left is willing to have those conversations, all I can tell you is to go to heaven with your neo-colonial settler nonsense. Now let's jump into our next story because I wanna celebrate our president who is celebrating Christmas. Apparently he doesn't mind being a neo-colonial settler because we have a picture that's been going around X and on social media of our president uh, putting up Christmas decorations. So here it is on the screen for you now. And essentially Jill and Joe are just having an all, you know, a good old American Christmas as they put up decorations. And people like George Takai took the moment to post this picture and talk about how Biden is so much better than Trump and how much of a good man he is, a good family man, just taking care of the homestead, you know, the president putting up Christmas decorations. And maybe you're already wondering, why in the world would he be doing that since he has like a whole staff at his disposal and a country to run? Now, let me step back and say I'm a family man, so even if I had the ability to pay somebody to put up my decorations, I would do it myself because it's something that I feel like is meaningful for the family. But that's also because I have little kids. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the kids of Joe Biden, but they aren't little. And they enjoy white powdery substances, but it isn't snow. So I'm not sure that Biden is doing this because he's such a family man, or rather, I'm not sure he's really doing it at all because I think we all know better. Our president can't walk, can't finish complete sentences, and is ultimately in a state of mental decline that makes sure that standing on a ladder and putting up Christmas decorations is not really on the resume for the old man. Not to mention, isn't it a little strange that people like George Takai and other people on the left are celebrating this man for doing what um, like millions of Americans do every single year? 
we're, we're applauding the old boy because he can put up Christmas decorations. Our bar for president has dropped really, really low. But maybe if you're kind of stealthy-eyed, you've also noticed something kind of interesting. We shouldn't make too much of this because who knows why this staged photo was taking place in the first place. And it is a staged photo, so it doesn't really matter. But maybe if you're kind of an eagle-eyed person, you notice that Biden is putting up the tree directly in front of a door, which is frankly the most Biden thing you can possibly do. Now, I'm not saying any of this simply just to have a little bit of fun here. I actually do have a much larger point at the end of the day. With all of the misinformation and the things that happen on social media, now this is on the left and the right, we are far too quick to jump into conspiracy theories. One of the greatest conspiracy theories on the left is the, uh, is the false conspiracy theory of uh, Christian nationalism existing in the United States, at least in terms of a group of people who want to uh, kick out of the country anybody who's not a Christian. Doesn't exist. Um, kind of like the idea that white supremacy, white supremacy is kind of such a great threat in America today, which it really truly isn't, uh, especially when we're aborting millions of babies, or some of the conspiracy theories like Pizzagate and other things that, that were on, um, on the right. The point of me showing you this picture and talking about these conspiracy theories is that we need to be able to process information in a way that doesn't discredit where we stand on things. Um, and I think this picture serves as a great example of that. For instance, I can make some logical deductions based upon things I know 100% about Joe Biden. I know that the man can't finish sentences. I know that the man can barely walk. I know that the man, when he stops his bike, could, just falls over randomly. I know all of these things. I know that he claims that dog face, lying dog face pony soldier came from a John Wayne movie that nobody has ever heard of. But I know all of that. And so I take that into consideration when I look at this man with this photo. I take into consideration the fact that he's the president. I take into consideration the fact that surely as wicked as Joe Biden can be to people, um, especially those who disagree with him, surely he is not taking the time to put up decorations when he could just make his staff do it for him. Um, I take all that into consideration and I can logically piece together facts that I know and have accessible to me and then I can make a deduction about something that I don't really know. And here's the problem, especially for my friends on the right, very often when they develop conspiracy theories, they do so using information that they can't really know. I love how quickly my friends, who I know not to be physics majors, become experts on physics when it comes to positing like flat earth or it comes to positing the, the moon landing and saying that it was fake. The, the reality is, is that the vast majority of us don't have the expertise and the knowledge at our disposal to make really solid affirmations about this. So it's better to go with a mainstream narrative if we can't undermine it, undermine it using facts. Listen, I know. It's disorienting to have a news media that you cannot trust to tell you the truth ever. I understand that it is much easier just to assume that everything that they're saying is lying. And in fact, I think there's a little bit of, of mental health in, in, in that. However, when it comes to big claims, and I'm specifically hearkening here to what took place in Israel, because there's a lot of conservatives who came out with, quite frankly, I think pretty gross insinuations about what took place in Israel. And the information that was just released that Israel uh, knew about the attack in advance has caused some people to believe that their 
accusations about Israel were, were in bounds. And one of those people specifically I'm speaking of is Charlie Kirk. I love Charlie. He's a fellow believer in Christ. But, but I have to be honest about what I see here. And I hope, especially if you're on the left, you can, um, you can at least appreciate the fact that I'm willing to critique my own side here. But also, if you're on the left, don't be too happy because you're destroying the nation. But nonetheless, I want to show you what Charlie said. The translated document, which was reviewed by the New York Times, did not set a date for the attack, but described a methodical assault designed to overwhelm the fortifications around the Gaza Strip, take over Israeli cities, and storm key military bases, including a division headquarters. I was smeared as anti-Semite and Holocaust denier for even broadcasting this topic. Turns out I was onto something. Israeli officials obtained Hamas battle plans for the October 7 terrorist attack more than a year before it happened. Documents, emails, and interviews show, but Israeli military and intelligence officials dismissed the plan as aspirational, considering it too difficult for Hamas to carry out. Now, I don't think Charlie is being an anti-Semite, um, and I don't think he's generally a bigot like the left thinks he is. Uh, however, I do think he was insinuating something much different than Israel was just not taking this seriously. It seemed to be that Charlie was insinuating that uh, Israel was somehow responsible for the attack on their homeland when maybe this dereliction of intelligence is to blame and somehow you say that they're responsible, but it sure seems that Charlie and other conservatives, Jason Whitlock among them, were actually saying something implying that Israel was much more nefariously behind this rather than just making a mistake in terms of intelligence. So I think to be fair, what I heard a lot of conservatives say was, we're not being told the whole truth about what took place in Israel. And perhaps they were just using what took place on October 7th. They were just using that as a cover for their vendetta against Hamas or against Palestinian people or something like that. And it's odd how when we impose these radical conspiracy theories, we often find ourselves agreeing with people on the left. You should be somewhat cautious about that whenever that takes place. But simply, I, I just want to encourage all of my thinking Christians out there, all of my thinking conservatives out there, when you make a deduction based upon things that you see on the internet or that you hear in the news, make sure that you have the evidence to support it. Otherwise, you might be making a real moral mistake to suggest that Israel was somehow behind the attacks of October 7th is to say, essentially, they're responsible for rape, for murder, for you know, mindlessly killing um, grandparents, old women, all of these things, Israel is somehow behind. And you better have the evidence to back up that claim if you're going to make it. These kind of broad-based assertions, they don't, they don't have not only the evidence necessary, but they also, they also don't have an implication list kind of kind of impact. I, I think that there are implications when we, when we make these kind of broad-based assertions. And, and more importantly, I just want us to think clearly about these things. I'm only arguing for this. If you're going to make a claim, make sure that the evidence matches the level of the claim that you're making. What we need to understand is that to suggest something to the degree that Israel was behind somehow October 7th, simply because they knew about it in advance, if indeed Charlie meant that or not, I don't know, but, but I know some people did. Um, if we're going to make that assertion, we better make sure that we have the level of evidence to back up such a large claim. And very often, we, we have little evidence and a huge claim.
that we're making, and I see this from conservatives all the time. It discredits us, but I'm not really concerned about that. I'm more concerned about the fact that our apprehension of the truth will be used in our favor or our lack thereof will be used against us. And that's why I think it's very, very important. We know how to be discerning, uh, discerning people, especially at this hour of extreme disinformation. All right, let's jump into our final segment, Bible study with Democrats. Oh God of pronouns. Well, our final segment today will go, I think, rather briefly because I simply want to take the time to respond to Ben Shapiro's appearance on the show Premiere Unbelievable with the cosmic skeptic Alex O'Connor. Now, in Tuesday's show, I mentioned that I, I respect Alex. I think Alex is a smart guy. He doesn't resort to ad hominem attacks. But I also made the assertion that many of you atheists will fly off the handle and just dislike, but it is what I truly think about the issue, that outside of the kind of ad hominem attacks of the Dawkinses of the world and the Christopher Hitchens of the world, atheism really has some large, huge holes in it that it can't really justify. And I think in the past, atheists have tried to make up for the logical inconsistencies of, of atheism with, um, with ad hominem attacks, with kind of indignation and with volume and with witticisms. They've made up for their lack of ability to truly argue for their position with those kind of things. Now, let me try to be fair and just to say this, that more generally speaking, I just think that the claim of atheism is far too hubristic and a more modest claim of agnosticism should be given by by atheists out there. Um, l- listen, I know you may tend toward God doesn't exist, but I think you should be a little bit more honest and say, but I cannot prove he doesn't. So the claim of agnosticism is way more fair than atheism. So I'm merely just pointing out the fact that atheism doesn't have the goods. And uh, when you have a guy like Alex O'Connor come on on uh, a Christian show like Premier Unbelievable and debate Ben Shapiro, I'm not ready to crown a winner or a loser per se, but I'm just ready to say, here we again have atheism being exposed as a very weak and flimsy ideology. And I'll try to show you why here on this segment of the show today. So first, I want to get into the conversation of free will. The show starts off with kind of the more deterministic argument from the scientific naturalistic perspective with Alex and and Ben arguing for free will. So here's just a little bit of that. So if I were going to talk about the atheist delusion, that's what I would suggest is the delusion, that, that, that an atheist can use terminology that is drawn from a world that is external to atheism for itself. And again, that's not an argument for God even. That's just an argument against atheism. Again, I think the, the arguments against God are, are are fairly compelling. And I think the arguments against atheism are fairly compelling. This is one of the things that I've said to Sam Harris. Most people who believe in God have expressed doubts. And a lot of people who are atheists tend to be more religious in this way than many of the people who are God believers. Well, I am glad to begin on a point of agreement with you, Ben, that uh, yes, if there is no God, there is no free will. But I think that's because of the principal disagreement that I think I had with you, Ben, is that there was a subtle or not so subtle implication in my view that yes uh, with no God there's no free will but somehow having God can solve this problem I mean you said a moment ago that you don't think you can establish God's existence through reason alone but assuming that you do believe in the existence of free will you think it's a real thing that you have yes Okay, so hopefully that was helpful to you to see, and it gave you a little bit of an idea of what the conversation looked like. Now, 
I'm going to be the first to admit to you, I'm a philosopher, theologian, apologist, and not a physicist. Somehow I don't think Alex is either. I don't know what his background is, but I can only tell you this, that the assertion of determinism does not have any scientific backup in terms of empirical and objective evidence to prove that free will does not exist. So the idea that we're just kind of automaton robots, that we're simply kind of products of evolution, we're just machines that, re that are responding to evolution and there isn't really any such thing as free will, is a theory, not a fact. And so my problem with that is ultimately, Ben is arguing for free will on a faith basis, and then Alex O'Connor then is just simply arguing for determinism on a faith basis as well. And so um, in the conversation, Alex says, you're gonna just have to ask yourself who's really operating under the, under the delusion. Well, if I'm an agnostic, I'm gonna say both of you guys, because the reality is, is both of you seem to be making blind faith assertions. I am on the side of Ben. I believe free will exists, and I believe God gives us free will. I believe love only exists, and it is one of the greatest things that exists. It's something that Albert Einstein said is the greatest force that holds the human, uh, the, the, the human species together. Um, I believe that it does exist, and I believe it exists because I believe there is a God who created us with free will. Now, I just don't understand how that is any different without the basis of, you know, a holy book that we can argue later whether or not it's accurate or not, but without any basis other than scientific assertions that don't really prove what it claims to prove, um, how you can say that that's anything other than a blind faith assertion too. So I'd love to hear from you down in the comment section below if you believe that there is scientific 100% proof that free will does not exist. But the problem with that is that I know, and you probably know too, that there isn't any scientific study that conclusively shuts the, the, the door to free will. There's a bunch of assertions, there's a bunch of articles, there's all sorts of ideas, but mainly there's just a bunch of atheists in the scientific community who don't want free will to exist because they know that it creates a huge problem for them when it comes to arguing for their standpoint and arguing against God. All right, um, the, another part of the conversation that I thought was really interesting was the social cohesion argument, which really is what the debate is all about. Is religion good for society? So here is um, the conversation between these two guys talking about whether or not religion is useful for cohesion in society. I mean, to pretend that all human societies have equality under law is obviously not true. It's not remotely true, actually. Uh, there's a, a very good book called The Weirdest People in the World, all about the idea that we in the West have this sort of ethnocentric view of ourselves where we think everybody thinks like people in the West, but the truth is that because we are Western educated, industrialized, rich and democratic, we have particular views of the world. Those views are drawn from a particularistic tradition. That particularistic tradition is biblical in nature. I mean, it is Judeo-Christian in nature, even if you're just describing European society or American society, historically speaking. So the, the kind of removal of God from the equation, your suggestion is that God makes a person impervious to countervailing responses. And my answer is yes, God does make a person impervious to countervailing responses, including the evils of one's own heart, if you truly believe that God is standing above you telling you not, not to do that thing. And again, social science tends to bear this out. People who believe that, that God is, is above them tend to give more charity, for example. It's because you mentioned the, how uh, the sort of culture of Europe and its success and America 
is indebted to Christianity. I mean, this is, of course, true in a sense, but there's been a, a recent revival, it seems. I, I don't really know quite how it's happened. I think it's got a lot to do with Tom Holland, maybe. That's the mm. historian, not the superhero. Not Spider-Man. <laughs> the, the, this idea that, that actually... he's good, too. Actually, the, the the great. I wonder what he would have to say on all of this. <laughs> I, I, the, the, the 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 Western civilization sort of depends and and should be in gratitude to uh, to a religious tradition because it provided this kind of ethical framework in which this could have arisen. We hear about the scientific enlightenment. We hear about you know the the, the grounding of ethics and God, the creation of of natural rights, as if these things weren't established in resistance all the way along to the religious tradition. Okay, before I get to kind of the substance here, I just wanna say something, especially to the progressive Christian out there or the liberal Christian or the Christian who might even call themselves a conservative evangelical but kind of leans socially liberal on some things. Uh, the reality is that where Christianity is the strongest, that is where cultural um, revivals are happening the best. There's this idea of the more Christians become wishy-washy on issues and the more liberalized they become on issues, the better it is for the Christian faith and the more accepting it is and the more big tent we become as Christians. But the truth is, is that that's, that's objectively not true. The places where Christianity is thriving the most and more and more people are coming to Christ are the places that are, are reclaiming biblical truth. And then often that looks like conservative perspectives on, on Christianity. Christianity, which really is just a misnomer if you ask me. I'm just going to call it a biblical perspective, um, which is classified as conservative, but really biblical perspectives where those things are appreciated and upheld. That's where the church is thriving all over the world. It's where Christianity is being liberalized, like in America, where it is really, really struggling. So the further we get from, so I know it's odd, the further we get from the Jesus of Scripture, the further we get from Christianity and the less Christianity really holds an appeal for people in society. So needless to say, I say all of that simply because the, the liberal argument about social cohesion um, is that we don't really need it. We don't need strong religious social structures in order to keep our society together. Now, I will agree with Alex here that it's a little hard to discern how social cohesion can truly be measured. There are some ways in which we can talk about it, but can it truly be measured? almost always subjectively only, um, and in a minor way, objectively true. However, just because something is subjective doesn't necessarily mean it is not true. So you might be able to say, you can't objectively prove that your wife loves you, but it is nonetheless true that my wife does love me. I can't objectively prove to you necessarily that red exists, but, but, it, but it does. Um, or I can't subjectively, uh, you know, prove to you that hate exists. I might be able to show you the implications of hate, but the actual, the, the, the feeling, the emotion of hate. But, um, but, it, but I think we all know that it, that it does. So ultimately, I would just say, simply because we don't have an objective metric to detail whether or not social cohesion really um, is objectively measured and whether or not religion uh, plays into that, shouldn't undermine the fact that I think we all generally know that social structures make up a society and one of those social structures in every single civilization throughout the history of the world has been religious societies. And so religion does play a part and an important role uh, in society in helping us kind of cohere as a society. All right, probably the most viral clip from their conversation is where Alex O'Connor is kind of like really drilling uh, Ben on the subject of slavery. So here's a little bit of that. A divine revelation has to be 
has to be given to human beings who are capable of following that in the time. Again, that, that's part of the difficulty of, of, I think, rebutting religion in a certain sense, because again, it seems wiggly, but it really isn't in the sense that if you believe, as I do, in a God who spoke to human beings in some form or fashion and has to speak to them on a level that they can understand, in ways they can understand, hmm. then that immediately is going to discount the ability to do a lot of very radical things that have that would have appeared radical in 1200 BC, but now appear to be commonplace for us. Yes, I understand this argument and I, I've heard it many times. I must say that it seems strange to me that God does seem willing to completely and utterly condemn uh, a bunch of other practices, including, by the way, imaginary crimes like witchcraft, just done away with entirely. And even if it is the case that God, for some reason, couldn't just say, couldn't even hint at the idea that maybe eventually we should be moving towards the abolition of the idea of owning human beings as private property, he just had to be doing it. I still think it's the case that he would not permit a flat immorality, and I think you would agree with that too. And so when I when I open the Old Testament uh, or the Hebrew Bible, and, and when I look at the texts saying that you, you if you lay siege to a city, you can you can kill if if the Lord delivers it into your hand, you can kill the men and the women, uh, but keep or you can kill the men and keep the women and the children and the and the and the livestock as plunder, as Deuteronomy says. And and uh, the, in the very next verse, uh, sorry, the very next chapter says that you know if. Um, if you see a good-looking woman, and, and I'm, not, I'm not interjecting that, if, if somebody finds an attractive woman... Yes, Ishayifatoar is the actual Hebrew, yeah. Then, then they can take them for themselves, and if they want them as their wives, and they, they take them home, they shave their head, they cut off their fingernails, they give them 30 days to mourn mm -hmm. their old husband, who you may very well have just killed, and then you can take them as your wife. When Numbers 31 has Moses instruct the, the slaughter of the Midianites, saying, kill all the men, and this time the women get killed too, but not the women who haven't slept with a man. And why might that be? And it says that, you know, keep them for yourselves. And I, I hear all the time that this is some kind of liberalizing process. Maybe it's because, you know, these, these people wouldn't survive on their own. It's some kind of protective measure to make sure that you're, you're looking after them. If that's the case, then why does it only apply to the virgins? That seems a little bit suspect to me. All right, so you get the idea here. God's omnipotent, and if he is omnipotent, and if he is good, then why in the Old Testament didn't he say that uh, it was it was bad to, to own slaves. Shouldn't he have just made this this moral restriction and just said at this point in time, stop doing it altogether? Ben kind of argues a more progressive uh, standard by saying that, hey, like they own slaves and every society back then owned slaves. And so God was trying to wean them off of slavery. So I, I mean, I agree with Alex here. I think that's kind of a, a weak argument, but I'm not so sure that everybody online, um, like everybody online is saying that he owned Ben. I don't, I don't really think that's true. And here's why. Because Alex actually has no moral basis to declare slavery is bad. I mean, this is the guy that doesn't believe in objective moral values in the first place because there is really no way to, uh, for, for atheism to provide a objective moral values. Now, I know that there's going to be some of you who disagree with that, but I would love to hear down below in the comment section more than a uh-uh. I would love to hear how atheism truly provides a basis for objective moral values. Now, I am not arguing that that even means that God exists. Um, I'm, uh, obviously, I think he does, and I believe that's a great argument for his existence, but it's just one of many. And I'm also not arguing that that means that all atheists are bad or that atheists are incapable of doing good. That's not what I'm saying, because I think, logically speaking, you can recognize something that is good, what, but I'm also saying, on the other hand, but you can't defend that goodness from an objective basis without moral values. And here's what I mean in terms of slavery. Well, 
We say slavery is bad. Why is slavery bad? Well, slavery is bad because you can't own another human being. Well, why can't you own another human being? Why not? It's been done throughout every civilization in human history. Why can't we own another human being? Well, because human beings have intrinsic value. Well, you know what doesn't provide a objective, definitive, scientific basis for discerning whether or not human beings have intrinsic value? Scientific naturalism, atheistic humanism. You cannot truly prove from those worldviews that human beings have intrinsic value. You know what does? Christianity does, because we believe in a God that created human beings in his image, giving them an intrinsic value, giving them a different substance than just lowly creatures that we eat. Sorry, vegans. So there, there is a religious basis for the intrinsic value of human beings, but there isn't a, a basis for intrinsic value of the human being in the scientific naturalistic worldview. And again, this goes back to the beginning of the debate here, where uh, Alex O'Connor really thinks that we're just mindless automatons. We're robots that are just dancing to our DNA. We don't even have free will. We don't make our own decisions because we're just machines that are programmed to, ad to adapt, which by the way, who programmed us? Uh, we're just programmed to adapt to evolution and evolution kind of produces these things in us. Evolution produces these moral claims in us. Well, the problem with that is that that doesn't provide the dignity of the individual human being especially like Christianity does, saying that we are a creation of a creator God and created on purpose for a purpose. Only Christianity gives you that. And more broadly, I would say, um, the major religions of the world or Judeo-Christianity brings you the idea of the Imago Dei, that we are created in God's, God's image with intrinsic value that deserves to be respected. So this idea of the other and um, honoring the other might be able to be discerned logically, but when you get to the, uh, to the underpinnings of whether or not you can justify that logic, well, now you have to insert religious claims, and now you're making a religious statement, which is something Alex O'Connor doesn't want to do. So I don't even know, he might have cornered Ben in terms of the way he was arguing that subject, but I think it's all vain and it's all for naught because Alex O'Connor can't really justify slavery as being bad in the first place. So what are we even talking about? Ultimately, the religious emerges and you have to realize that there's some, some arguments that religious people have that need to be taken seriously. And this is how I'll close because this is the real problem at the end of the day. The atheist wants to add him an uh, ad hominem attack and wants to you know, resort to personal attacks against religious people rather than taking the claims seriously. And so I have an exhortation to all of you watching. Take the religious claims that Christians especially, Christian apologists make, and entertain them. Think about them for three seconds before you fight against them. And you might find that they actually have a lot of important things to say about society and about you in particular. Moreover, I'd encourage you to watch old William Lane Craig videos. In fact, I'll link one down in the description of this podcast below where you can see Craig own atheists over and over and over again. I pray that it will sink this time far beyond your ideology and into your heart where you can then start to really grapple with the faith claims of Christians. Because the more we see our society unravel, you might have to come to the conclusion that one of the things that was holding it together was the very thing that 
atheists, and agnostics are fighting against. And the more we reclaim it, the better off we'll all be. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and go with God.